The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We are doing that. Oh boy, here we go again. We're doing that on today is my Friday. It's Friday morning in Tokyo. It's Thursday night with Tim Bontemps in Boston, right? Shouldn't uh, be that hard to figure this out at this point. You know what? Save it. And joining us from the West Coast, where it's Thursday afternoon, is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. It, you know, it is. It's not as simple as you uh, as you as you may think. At least not for me. Um. So my last night, your guys earlier today, Team USA. Um. Uh, with a big win over Australia. And by the way, before I start that, I should tell you that this Olympic update is brought to you by CarMax. If it's time to sell your car, go for sold with an instant offer from CarMax. Find out what your car is worth with an instant offer at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way it should be. The way it should be is Team USA in the gold medal game after beating Australia. And for people who woke up uh, on Thursday and saw up, they won by 20. Durant had 23. Sounds like a routine game. I suppose that's, you know, you go on with your day and not think twice about it, but it was not a routine game. They were down 15 points in the first half and everything was going uh, Australia's way. Uh, Team USA was screwing up on defense. Um, they were struggling to get into their offense. Um, there was a couple of ridiculous plays. Chris Middleton blew a wide open dunk. I mean, wide open. And then went down and stupidly fouled the three-point shooter. And there was another play where Jason Tatum took a ridiculous long three-pointer early in the shot clock and then went down and made a stupid foul. Like just those two points, just those two alone were like a 10-point swing. And um, and it was like, you know, I wasn't like saying, boy, they're in real trouble, but they were in trouble. And then Kevin Durant was like, all right, guys, uh, I'll take over from here. And he and Drew Holiday holiday defensively and offensive creation and Durant just sticking his head down and getting a couple of big baskets um, started a 20 to 0 run and, and the rest was history. And so they're in the gold medal game against France in a, in a uh, rematch and um, uh, <clears throat> France beat Luka Doncic and, and uh, Slovenia in the last 10 seconds, last second of the game, really Nick Batum with a block shot that got uh, that protected France's one point win. they had a, a guy had a layup at the rim, Doncic had fed him. Uh, they had gotten Gobert out of the lane. Don Gobert was on Doncic on a switch. Luca backed him out of the lane and then went to his teammate. And um, Batum recovered and blocked. Great block over his back. Totally clean at the right at the buzzer, and uh, they win the game. So France USA rematch. Um, Bontemps, I I, uh, I know that um, Durant's numbers aren't. Uh, you know he's only averaging twenty points a game. His numbers in Rio were like even better than this, but they, Greg Popovich and the team USA should be thankful every day that Durant decided to play here. He's absolutely carrying them. Yeah. I mean, like you wrote in your story after the game, uh, team USA went to the two guys, you know, they have Draymond Green's also won a ring, but they went to the two guys who have rings on the so team. It was Chris Kevin Middleton. Durant. I mean, I, yeah. that's true. Chris Middleton too, but they went to Kevin Durant and drew holiday to carry them home. And those two guys, have been the guys that have carried them all the way through. Um, 
you know, we kept saying when this team was in Las Vegas, they're going to get Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Devin Booker uh, in Tokyo, and things are going to look a lot different. And you correctly at the time said, well, let's wait and see if they actually show up. They're coming off playing in the playoffs. We'll see if they actually want to commit to this team and make the trip. And to your point, thank God for Team USA's sake that they did, because those three guys have been in what? The top seven spots in Greg Popovich's rotation. Well, I mean, they got Booker, Booker and Holiday are starting and then Booker. Had well, no, they're, in this game. they're they're starting and Middleton's playing a ton. I mean, they've they've been right. critical pieces for them. And Drew Holiday has been every bit as good, if not better, than he was in the playoffs for the Bucs. For sure. Um, and leading them to the title. I mean, his numbers don't always look great. He can sometimes be erratic on offense, but his size and physicality at both ends of the court is just hugely impactful. Even when he's not scoring, he's he's people don't really see it seeing him on TV, but he's built like a linebacker. I mean, he's a big physical guy. And on offense, he's able to get wherever he wants on the court. And on defense, he makes it impossible for guys to get around. Guys sometimes will score on them, but they have to work for every second they're on the court. And, you know, that impact at both ends of the court has been absolutely huge. And you're right. Kevin Durant is the best player in this tournament. No offense to Luka Doncic, who is going to take that mantle someday soon, as far as probably being the best player on the planet, or at least one of the top couple guys. But Kevin Durant is still a level above him. And, you know, like you said, whenever Team USA has needed to turn something around, in this tournament, it's been pretty simple. It's been give Kevin the ball and get out of the way. And it's worked out really well for them. Yeah. And nobody would have blinked if Durant didn't play. I mean, he, oh, of he course really, not. he, you know, talk, a guy who has, you know, he's been there, done that with team USA, uh, won championships, you know, Olympics, uh, NBA, you know, went deep into his career, had the Achilles injury. Like he had every reason. Played a trillion say, minutes, played a trillion minutes right. against the Bucs, right? Yeah. Averaged 66 minutes a game or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Like he had every reason to say, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to enjoy my summer. I'll pass. And, you know, not only has he played, but he's been Captain America. Um, yeah. And not, not only that, but there have been times where this team's com- system, it's a loose system at best has completely broken down. And so there are times also when they move the ball beautifully and the ball makes four passes and finds a, a spot up three point shooter who knocks it down. There are times where they move it around a guy will cut back door and it's a dunk. Um, but there's a, when they went under pressure, they've sort of just frozen up like it happens in basketball. And you know, it's the greatest advantage you could possibly imagine to have a guy like that in that situation. Yeah, they also don't have a natural distributor on this team either. They've got a lot of combo guards like Drew Holiday. I mean, even Dame Lillard, uh, Durant, like all these guys are solid passers, but none of them are guys that are typical set it up and distribute for. Others. They don't have Chris Paul. Well, or Kyle Lowry or, you know, mm-hmm. any, anybody like that. Like they they don't have a pure point on the team. They've got a ton of they, awesome players. They, they don't have it. they don't have Luka Doncic to dishing out 18 no. assists and, yeah. and almost 19 that would have been the game winner. Nope. So yeah, well, holiday did have eight assists in the game and he had a couple of great passes at one time. He got into the lane, drew some people and kicked it like sort of like a backhand pass uh, to um, Booker who had a three in the first half. That was really an important shot, but you know, holiday, they were really good on Patty Mills, Patty Mills, who has ever who had uh, averaged in the last two games the Australians played the U.S. and won. Patty was averaging twenty five in those games. He's 
he's played in four Olympics and he's averaged like 20 points a game in his Olympic career. So this is a guy who scores and he, he, he drew three fouls. He, he, he drew three fouls in the first like five minutes of the game and uh, you know, was off to a good start and then drew really just, I mean, it was a group effort, but drew really shut him down. He had 15, but he had like three or four baskets when the game was already decided. So, uh, and he was really upset after the game um, uh, because he knows this is probably his last chance, you know, for him to beat the U S and um, you know, he's playing against Popovich and he was, you know, he was teary eyed and pop said after the game that um, he felt really good about the win. Then he got to Patty who just signed with the nets mm-hmm. after 10 years with the Spurs. And he said, he said, I saw Patty's eyes and I felt bad. Um, Cause you know, all well, these, and- all these Australian players, you know, seven of them or eight of them are NBA players. Well, and you, as you pointed out in this, in your story before this game, Brian, for people that aren't like avid international basketball fans, Australia has been uh, to in, in the semifinals of many tournaments, both in the Olympics and the world championships. And they finished fourth several times and have never yeah. won a medal in either. And these guys in particular have finished fourth in several tournaments. Now this group, yeah. Joe Ingalls and Patty Mills. And, um, you know, this whole Aaron Baines was hurt for this game. This whole crew of international um, NBA players from Australia in this, this group has been deep into these tournaments time after time after time, only to come up short. Because if you lose in the semifinals and you play in the bronze medal game, and if you lose that, you finish fourth and they finished fourth several times. And now they're going to have Four their times. hands full. Right. Four and, times. And, that, yeah. and they're going to have their hands full finishing above uh, to not finish fourth a fifth time because they're going up against Luca in this sem- bronze medal game. And the bronze medal game, the bronze medal game is going to be fascinating. Because, you know, just what you mentioned, this Australian team that has been very good for very long, but doesn't have the medal to show for it. And then Slovenia, um, which this is their first bite at the Olympics apple. You know, they, they won Euro basket uh, a couple of years back. A few, I guess it was, what, four years back. But yeah, first, bite, first, first bite at the uh, Olympic apple. Yesterday was the first time Luka Doncic had ever lost a game wearing the Slovenian national team uniform. Now 17-1. and one. Um, you know, I saw some people, well, why didn't Luca take the shot? Well, first of all, uh, he was doubled. Batum basically came over to double him. It wasn't like an, you know, all the way double, but he, if Luca puts yep. that ball on the floor, Batum is on him. I, as you mentioned, Wendy, he had Rudy, uh, away from the rim. He was five of 18 from the floor with 18 assists and one turnover. Yeah, I like Luca giving the ball up to the guy that Batum had come off of, who then gets to the rim for a layup and give Batum credit for making made a hell of a play. I don't know. I I'm, I can't say I'm that well versed in the history of the French national team, but maybe the best <laughs> defensive play in the history of that program. Yeah. So um, Slovenia won Euro basket, which some people regard as the second toughest tournament to win after the Olympics. Now, some people will say, well, what about the world cup? Yes. But in, in Euro basket, every single game just about is a grinder. Yeah. Um, I would say Euro baskets tougher personally. Okay. So winning that was a huge thing. And Luca was like 17 at the time. Okay. So that yeah, was, Dragic was the MVP, but Luca was, you know, that's when everybody knew. I mean, Luca was a big name before then, but that was like, okay, there's no question. This guy's a, a future NBA 100%. star. 100%. Right. So they win that. And then they have to, they didn't qualify for the Olympics before this summer. So like they had to go qualify. And like, this is where like, 
Jokic, he just, Jokic was too exhausted and he just asked, you know, he's like, Hey, I, I can't play for Serbia. Serbia is probably the second best team in the world when everybody's got all their dudes. Yeah. And so Serbia didn't qualify, but, um, Slovenia went into Lithuania. They had to, you know, Lithuania has a very storied basketball history. Um, crazy rabid fans. And, um, you know, Sabonis was playing. Uh, in and that was game. Jonas Valanciunas. And yeah, Valanciunas played. Yeah. And, um, you know, Lithuania was absolutely expecting to win that, and, that tournament. And, yeah. And Slovenia, the only other NBA player on the roster, Goran Dragic isn't playing. His brother is Zoran, but not Goran. Yeah. The only other NBA player on the roster is Vlatko Chanchar. Right. Who's who's barely an NBA <laughs> Which NBA we'll player. see if he continues to be an NBA player. Uh, now, right. there are some Mavs fans that want this guy, Mike Toby, Luca's yeah. primary pick and roll partner, to be an NBA player. But we'll, you know, we'll see about that. It, it, it was really um, watching Luca play in this tournament. Um, it was just surgical. Like, whatever, you know, he's still got a game left, but whatever they teams would throw at him. He would just, you know, you want to come this way? Well, I'm going to go that way. You're going to come from this side. I'm going to go to that side. You're going to double from here. Well, I know exactly where to go. And he, he and, and Mike Toby, who I think is, he played in, he played at the uh, uh, university of uh, Loyola Chicago, I believe. Yeah. I, and I think he's American and it's so one of these I. got his Slovenian passport. Yeah, I think you're playing Anthony. I think you replace Anthony yeah. Randolph on the team. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those situations. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, remember, one to thing watch. to remember. One thing to remember about Luca is he he's played more FIBA ball than he has NBA ball, right? Like FIBA ball is basically what is basically what the European style is, and he played mm-hmm. for years at Real Madrid before he came to the NBA, and he's obviously played all this time for Slovenia in the summer. So this is for as good as he is in the NBA. He this is you know, I would probably say a more comfortable place for him still in terms of understanding every part of the game and how it works and how is, where his teammates are going to be and how to bend defenses and stuff. And it's, you know, like you, you said, know, he's just been masterful in this tournament. You know, what's a comfortable place for Luca? Yelling <laughs> and, at the officials. Well, that too. He's done a lot of that. <laughs> a big stage is a comfortable place for Luca. I mean, you've seen what he's, he has not, he has not won a playoff series. <laughs> but it ain't because of what he's been doing. You know, when you go 46 right. and 14 in game seven, it ain't, it ain't on you. When you have a 43 point triple double with a, that includes a, a buzzer beater uh, to, to win, you know, I mean, this guy, he's been just absolute, obviously his, his the majority of his NBA career has been ridiculous. The playoffs has been even better. His Olympics debut, you mentioned what he had to do just to get there. His Olympics debut, 48 points. What was that? Was that the second highest Scoring game in Olympics yeah, in the history, Oscar, yep. Oscar and then uh, I'm reading I'm reading Tim Reynolds' tweet from last night here. Uh, last night had the third triple double in Olympic men's history. The others, uh, some guy for the Soviet Union in 1976, and LeBron James for the U.S. in 2012. So I mean, this guy, you know, he's just he's he's putting up historic numbers in his first taste of the Olympics, and it's not surprising because we've seen what he's done in the NBA as well. And all, all that being said, I'm happy France won the game because for as fun as it would have been for Luca to play the U.S. in the gold medal game, I no disrespect to Serbia. I think France is the second best team in the world. Yeah, no disrespects to Slovenia either. Jeez. Well, no, or or well, I just oh, go okay. back to what Brian said <laughs> I got before. You, I got you. No, Slovenia is. I mean, they've been incredible. But to go back to what Brian said before. I think France is the second best team in the world. They won the last. Uh, I believe they won the World Cup. Right? Am I right about that? 
No, they because they had, they, the, they had the bronze. Uh, Spain yeah, won. They, yeah, oh, they, Spain they, won. That's they, right. Yeah, they knocked out. Um, they knocked out the U.S., but then Luis Scola got him in the next right. game. They lost. Well, Luis Scola right. had one of the great games of Luis Scola's career, which yeah. I know nobody saw. It was in Beijing in the middle of the night, but it was one of the great games right. of Luis Scola's career. But I, I think this France team, you know, they've got seven or eight NBA players. They've got NBA length and athleticism. They've got Rudy at the rim. They've already, they've already beat Team USA in this tournament. Um, yeah. th- this is the, these are the two best. Fournier teams, is I'm glad un- this is Fournier. You talk about a guy who is better internationally than he is NBA. Fournier is an absolute star uh, yep. in the in the international game. I have to say, it, it you know, being at these games, it is a little bit. <clears throat> it's such a bizarre feeling watching these guys play these super high stakes games because I'm <clears throat> I'm just gonna and I'm sitting there thinking during a timeout in the first half yesterday, U.S. is down 15 points, and I'm thinking, um, you know, for all of Greg Popovich's accomplishments of which there are very many um if the u.s loses this game this will be the worst moment in his coaching career and it's a thursday afternoon at one o'clock in a suburb because the, the, they're playing at the it's a big stadium but it's it's an hour outside tokyo and they're playing in front of you know 200 people yeah. you know in in the middle of august <laughs> it's like you know like greg popovich is like uh you know this is a vitally important game for him uh, it's just it's a bizarre situation but that's that's the olympics and um so when especially it comes to, under covid circumstances right when it comes to um to france uh so you know when i say serbia is you know arguably the second best team in the world that's assuming bogdan bogdanovich and you know um Jokic Jokic. are playing um you know they have a they have a great team and they were awesome in China until they uh, stubbed their toe. I thought they were going to win that World Cup if it wasn't the U.S. Um, but um, so the, here's the thing about 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 France. When the U.S. played two weeks ago, uh, they only scored 76 points in that game. If you remember, they didn't make a basket in like the last five or six minutes. Um, Holiday Booker and uh, Middleton had arrived at 1 a.m. The game was at 9 p.m. the same day. Um, Popovich started Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo together. Um, Durant got in foul trouble, fouled out in 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, he got a, they switched on to Gobert. He got switched on to Gobert and got two you know cheap fouls, just positioning fouls on Gobert in the in the first quarter, took him out of the flow. Um, you know, the U.S. shot like 36 percent as a team, uh, everything, you know, uh, you know, the the starting lineup was different. Jason Tatum, who's become more of a Ben score, didn't have that role. Um, so I, I know it's not that long ago, but it's a completely different situation than it was before. And um, specifically because Holiday is now settled into that role and Durant is now really going. So well, and, and, uh, and sure. France, France has so much more continuity coming into the Olympics than team is. Yeah. I mean, these guys, you know, uh, Gobert has been playing with Fournier since they were kids, you know, yep. Batum, all these guys, yeah, they don't skip tournaments. Like these guys are fixtures there yeah. and they, well, they play every tournament. And I mean, I don't know how many games and minutes they've played together, but it's a ton. And they, they you know, they, they are on a string. They're connected. 
Well, and even so after what, that game, when they when they beat Team USA, Evan Fournier got interviewed, and the first thing he said was, "Yeah, well, these guys just showed up, and they had three guys get off the plane this morning, and you know, this isn't this isn't a big deal." Like they, yeah, he, he they, basically they fully, said, "Yeah, great win, but this is pool play." Like exactly, right. yeah, we know. that's exactly what he said. Yeah, there was no so there was no celebrating from the French. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing is. In that game, because the U.S. was playing big, it enabled the French to play big. They played with two centers, um, uh, like the whole second half, including Vincent Poirier, who doesn't even play for them normally. Like Poirier, like played the whole second half. Um, so I expect the U.S. to go short, short and fast. They're going to get, they're going to have trouble on the inside at times. I mean, the French are really good defensively. They are really good defensively at the rim. So when Batum made that block. Uh, it was his fourth block of the game, and also Gobert, obviously one of the great yeah. rim protectors of the, of this era. He had four blocks. So, uh, you know, the U.S. is is really good when they get momentum going to the rim, and and sometimes you get frustrated with how many threes they shoot because they are totally hot and cold. I mean, the reason they were down in the first half was because they missed their first ten three pointers. Yep, they got well, there was that possession the late in the game where they missed what was it like five clean looks That's right. at, at a three. <laughs> yes. You know, that was, a, that was wild, possession. right? So I, I do think it's going to end up they're going to end up really needing that three point game. But you know, they're equipped to shoot the threes because they're going to have trouble going in there and scoring. And um, and so one of the things that the French do, uh, you know, Nando Decolo is their point guard, and he will come and set a screen. Or, you know, Gobert will come up and set a screen, and and uh, Decolo will go in. In fact, he had twenty five against Slovenia. But really what they're looking for is they sneak Fournier around the backside. And this is mm. what's, this has killed Team USA both earlier uh, in this Olympics and then two years ago. They lose track of Fournier. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very basic French move. They, they start going, you know, the, the, the offense collapsed, boom, 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 pass. And guess what? Guess who all of a sudden has the ball in the perimeter, usually on the wing, which is where he likes to shoot from. Wide open, Evan Fournier. Uh, he crushed him in China in the World Cup, and he crushed him again in uh, in um, you know here a couple weeks ago. So they have got to have somebody stay attached to Fournier. Don't fall for the French, uh, you know, uh, trap, so to speak, uh, of, of of uh, going into the <laughs> ball and, uh, and and forgetting where Fournier is. I mean, you can just see him when you watch him. He's just sort of being very sneaky. He's sneaking, 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 sneaking away from his man. The ball's moving around. And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. How did he get open? Um, so, I mean, they've got a lot of uh, data on that. But, you know, they play their game. Durant shows up. I mean, Durant has scored over 30 points in both gold medal games he's played in. Uh, you know, in 2012, it was a barn burner against Spain and London. I think it was a six-point game Durant scored in the 30s. And then they crushed Serbia in uh, the in the gold medal game in Rio, but Durant had a thirty point game. So Durant is going to show up. Uh, I asked him after the game. Um, I said, you know, because I felt it watching the game. The U.S. was tight; they were getting worried; mm-hmm. they couldn't make shots. And Durant was just like, "Let me have the ball, just hold on, guys." And he made like two really tough, like getting in leaners. Mm-hmm. One he banked in. We just real hard baskets where he just used all of his skill to get it in. And that helped them get over the hump in that first half. And I just said to him, I go, your, your experience really showed up. I mean, think about it. this guy's got three NBA titles and two gold medals. 
and um, he's played just a ton of Olympic, you know, he's played a ton of FIBA basketball, way more than anybody on this U.S. roster. Yep. Um, and uh, I just said, um, I go, your experience really showed up there. And he's like, well, you were looking at me too much. And uh, he's like, maybe you should have been looking at other guys. I was like, well, guess what? You can you can say however you want to say. You bailed them out. So I don't. Ex- I just expect Durant to to be awesome. And and to be honest with you, he hadn't even really been hot yet. I mean, he's had he's had three and four minute stretches where he's hit three, two or three in a row. But Durant hasn't even gone full Durant yet. And um, you know, I also think if he had to, he could play thirty eight minutes. Uh, they, they've been able to rest him a little bit. If he had to, he been, could play forty. I mean, I mean he could yeah, play though. He could play the whole That game. stuff makes me so nervous. Like the, the, as spectacular as he was to watch in the uh, East semis against the Bucks. Like God, his minutes getting up that high with his the history. <laughs> and you know, he's always falling. Always, always, always. He's always falling because you know he's you know he gets knocked around. He's not that heavy. <laughs> And so I know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Nets fans are like, oh, my God, he just fell again. But, you know, he gets up. He gets up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So that's um, Team USA France will play for the gold. Uh, it's actually an advantageous time. They, they finally are going to move it to a time when you can watch it. It's going to be on NBC. You can watch it. Yeah, bronze, um, the bronze 10, game, 10, Slovenia, Australia, you have to work a little bit harder. <laughs> 10.30 Eastern right. tonight for people who want to watch it on NBC. 10.30 Saturday night. Wait, night? no, Friday night. You're right. 1030 tonight. But thanks. Bontemps, I know that you're right, but I can't keep a track. But I mean, just say in my world, it's, it's hard. It's hard in my world. Got a rough life. Uh, Got a rough life. You know, normally you make fun of me like that and you and you're and you are making a point. But right now, this is rough. What I what I'm what I'm dealing with. You got a you got a rough life. <laughs> um, Do they have right, violins so- in Tokyo? <laughs> no, they, a, don't. they don't have enough. They don't have enough violence. <laughs> if if only I was spending my time in Tokyo, I'm spending my time in Saitama. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. So, um, okay. So I wanted to move on to NBA free agency. Uh, we're mostly done. I really don't know what to say about Kawhi Leonard. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, Bon Temps had this idea, McMahon, I'm not taking, uh, blame or credit for it. He wanted to talk about who we thought, um, you know, basically 
I would say about 90% of free agency is over 95. Mm-hmm. Who we thought the winners and losers were. Yeah, money-wise, it's probably more like 98. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, Bontemps, why don't we start it off? Do you want to start off with winners or losers? I want you to start okay. off with winners because I'm curious because I, I don't necessarily know that I see like clear-cut. I, I should, Tell me the teams that just took a leap. Well, this, that's the funny thing. I had it. The reason I came up with this was I had an executive call me uh, Wednesday night. And the first thing he said was, who are your winners and losers of free agency? And I thought about it and I didn't really have an answer on the winner side. I mean, I think the Miami Heat are winners because they got Kyle Lowry and they got PJ Tucker and they kept Duncan Robinson and they, they're going to be really good. Are they going to win a title? I'm not sure, but they, they got, they got the best player to change teams and they're going to be again, assuming something crazy is not for Kawhi and they're going to be, they're going to be right there in the East and you know, they're going to be really good. So I, I think mean, they're, they're winners. They're, obviously their age is a concern, but like if those guys are, you know, healthy, <laughs> you might be able to beat them in a series, but you will be sore afterwards. I can promise gonna, you that it's going to be really hard. I mean, you go back to the, the heat buck series, um, this past year in the first round, if you put Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker on the heat and you go up yeah, against with the Bucks, Jimmy and bam, that's a, that's a different, that's a different series. I mean, they're going to be tough as nails. That's like the ultimate Miami heat team, right? That's a bunch yeah. of grinders and, then, and tough guys and physical guys, but outside yeah, and then of the got heat, Robinson spread the floor heroes, yep. probably a six man. Well, to me, yep. let me just say that I think this season is going to really, I don't know about hinge, but what Tyler Hero does is going to be important for the Heat because we yeah. know that they're going to be better defensively. Um, we know that Lowry is going to, um, you know, help them win close games. I mean, this is what he does, and the Heat play a lot of close games. And um, but the guy who can elevate them <clears throat> is is Hero. And you know, two years ago we saw Hero do a certain thing, and in Bontemps, who lived in that bubble the entire time from start to finish. Uh, I'm complaining about my bubble life here in Tokyo. Although I do think you had it a lot better than I did, Bontemps. Um, I'm surprised you would say that. Well, yeah, here's well, the thing. Here's the thing about Bontemps. People naturally socially distance from him anyway. So it wasn't that different. <laughs> right. He was used to that. But, uh, you know, you were in there for three months or something like that. And you believe that there was a, a shooting bubble that happened within the bubble where guy, well, you know, the Lakers shot great statistically proven guy the people just mm-hmm. shot way better than normal in the bubble you saw that nuggets jazz series was crazy scoring the lakers guys all shot 10 percent better i mean not all but a bunch of them shot way above their norms the heat another those two teams that made the nba finals the heat and the lakers were both teams that struggled to shoot threes and in the playoffs they both shot the lights out from three and at you know they were in a, an environment where their biggest weakness became neutralized and therefore they both had a lot of success and you think that the shooting in the bubble was really good because of the shooting background was just really conducive. And why, why did everybody shoot so well? No a travel, a combination of travel, the background and consistency, like guys were able to just get in a rhythm. Like there was no, there was no travel. They were playing in the same arenas over and over again, the same backgrounds over and over again. Like, I, I don't know if, I don't think there's a, a statistical or like, you know, tangible thing you can 100% define it as but to me that was what the difference was because you go back to this season and all those guys who shot really well in the bubble all kind of went back to what they always did you know from Jamal Murray to Donovan Mitchell to all these guys like nobody nobody basically carried over what they did there just I don't know purely a shoot Donovan Mitchell kind of did 
Well, that's he, he, that's fair. But the vast majority of guys, I wasn't trying to say that guys like didn't take a step forward. Devin Booker obviously took a step forward. Mitchell took a step forward. But just from a pure shooting perspective, the vast majority of guys kind of reverted back to what they always were. The Lakers are a perfect example of that. They they all reverted back to their norms. And all of a sudden, all year long, what were you talking? What were we talking about? They struggled to shoot threes, right? But we're getting yeah. a little far. Also, in, but, in, but, in, but, in but my bubble, point there is, was no Tyler Hero activities. You know, Tyler Hero was playing. Take your legs away. Well, <laughs> well, maybe. Chelsea for Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was um, was a, was a star in the bubble. Was a star, and then yep. this last season, Tyler Hero he was had, not available in, in discussions for James Harden. Someone right. said Tyler Hero is better than Lamelo Ball. Someone. That's not Ooh, what I said. said that. Oh, that is uh, not what say, I said. He did not say you did. He did not say you did. That's I said, what I said. You got a guilty the question conscience. Was, the question was, you know, who would who would you value more in trade? And I said Hero. This is the start of last season. What sayeth you and, now? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying Hero anymore. So I'm Do, saying okay, I'm, Tyler Hero or LiAngelo Ball. <laughs> yeah um so you know i mean how you could walk away from that first uh that performance in the bubble and not think that tyler hero was not you know yep. a potentially big time you weren't the only one so um so anyway so to me that when it comes to the heat the variance on what hero is okay maybe piece. Maybe he's, you know, he's not that guy we saw in the bubble, but is he, is he the guy from last year? Now he had a neck injury like all year long. His neck was bothering him all year long. And then he came to, um, uh, to, to, to team USA was on the select team and he skipped the last like day or so of practice, maybe the last two days of practice. They didn't announce why they didn't announce any injuries, but that select team was all banked up. And I, I was told that he was having a neck issue again, but I don't know if it was just mm. a way to end his time early. And they said it was a neck thing or he actually re-aggravated it. I don't know, but you know, he's obviously got to get, he's got to get healthy. But so to me, if hero is more rookie hero, then that changes the, the upside for the heat. Well, and they've got a really question. thin team. So they, they've got a really thin team. So they need him to be, they need him to be yeah. good, but well, they but also the, are going to be a prime buyout destination. You know that. They will be. No, for sure. They will be. But the interesting thing is, OK, so you take Miami. Miami's a winner. I don't think there's another to your point, Tim, at the beginning about teams mm-hmm. that really took a leap forward. I don't think there's another team that's a clear winner. The two well, teams. Let, let, that I th- OK, go ahead. I was just going to say the two teams that I think are in the conversation for and I think are winners, but not dramatically so are the Wizards and the Knicks. I thought the Wizards moving on from Russell, Russell Westbrook, getting a bunch of NBA rotation players getting Corey Kispert in the first round, who I think is going to be able to walk in and immediately be a floor space and three-point shooter for them. And just building a more conducive environment for these young players where they're going to be able to have the ball and do stuff and grow as a team. On top of getting Spencer Dinwiddie, who I frankly think will probably at least replicate, if he's healthy, what Russell Westbrook did last year from an overall contribution standpoint. I'm not sure about that. I mean, remember, Westbrook had a really good second half. Yeah, I think if you look at his overall overall numbers – yeah. I agree for the whole season. Well, that's what I'm talking about overall for the whole season. Right. He was very right. bad at the beginning and then he got better later on, which is fine. Right. I'm not, he wasn't bad. I'm not saying Westbrook was awful for them, but Spencer Dinwiddie's pretty good. And they got four. He's NBA coming off a torn ACL. I said, if he's healthy. Okay. I, my point I, is, I'm, they not, got a I'm bunch, not disagreeing with you. I'm not. Disagreeing my with point you. is I just, the wizards, yeah. the wizards got a lot more payroll flexibility. They got a lot deeper. 
and they got another couple of interesting young guys to add to their team. I think they, I think they improved their <clears throat> short and long-term outlook this summer. And I think the, the Knicks, mm-hmm. because of the deals they signed, as we've gotten a little more information about them, the fact that these deals are fairly short-term, um, so they, there's not a lot of long-term risk, and the fact that they got Kemba Walker uh, for a mid-level Cheap. deal, basically, yeah is a huge win for them. And the combination of him and Evan Fournier, who we've talked about a bunch on this pod already, um, they go a long way towards addressing the Knicks' biggest issue, which we saw in that first-round series against the Atlanta Hawks, which was they had Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and nobody else who you could really count on to score. Well, and now they Derek, Derek two, Rose was their most consistent player in the playoffs. But that's that's fair. Rose Rose was yeah. consistent. But, they, but now they have two good shooters in the backcourt who are quality NBA scorers, who are 15 to 20 point a game guys and are good players. And you add yeah. them into the mix they already had. And they're, and they're, and they're, they're shooters. Winners. That's what they really didn't have. They didn't have shooters. Yep. yep. And uh, yep. so, yeah. Um, what, what did we think of the Bulls? The Bulls were very well, Real busy. quick on the Knicks. Real quick on okay. the Knicks. One thing I'll say about the Knicks that I think is important. Once you realize that all these contracts they signed were, you know, their team options in all the last years, um, uh, you look at that and you say all of those contracts probably are assets. Right. And you know, my, I have this rule and it's not an ironclad rule. There's, there's some gray area. I evaluate a contract. If, if when you sign it, I ask the question, can you trade it? Can you, if you had to trade it tomorrow, could you trade it tomorrow? They could trade all five of those. They could trade all five of those contracts to your point. That's right. And, and, even they, though, and they've got the, they've got a, a lot of picks. And even the Julius Randle signing, I know that it was reported at 117 million, but just like those other contracts, that's really not that much. He's got a lot of incentives in there. It's really like, and by the way, it's not because of negotiating. It's because that there was a he could only sign for so much based on his contract. He and he had incentives in his last deal to carry over. Yes, that's right. So like, I talked about this with Zach Levine. The most Zach Levine could sign for in an extension right now is about 104, 105 million over four years. That's what Randall basically signed for. There are incentives in there. And by the way, he may hit those incentives. He just did hit a couple of incentives for a couple of seven figure paydays, but that contract it's base salary averages about 25, 26 a year. So even, even Randall, not that they're thinking about trading him, but if, he has another all-star season a year from now. He's an all-star on, on a reasonable contract. So all of those contracts are assets. So, that, so even though the Knicks will remain competitive, should there be a moment where they have to pivot, where a star says, I want to go there, they would be able to maneuver that roster. Maybe a guy they- with like a huge shoe contract playing for a small market team that either hasn't been able to break through or – you know, he's just kind of restless on his rookie deal even and wants to get to the playoffs. Well, yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to them in a minute. Um, but, uh, all right, you, you mentioned the Bulls, McMahon. Yeah, I just – what do we think of the Bulls? They, they were busy. I like the Lonzo deal. I didn't – I honestly didn't understand why the Pelicans were so determined not to uh, keep Lonzo. DeRozan on that team for that money to me uh, and, and Caruso. I see, look, Caruso is going to guard people. That was that's a good what, value contract. I right. Thought. That's where like the, De, the DeRozan thing, like, man, you got Levine, you got Vooch. 
to, to add another essentially one-way player, a, 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 and, and DeRozan's a very good offensive player. We can talk about, oh, three-point shooting lack there, whatever. He gets buckets, and you know, especially last year in San Antonio, showed he's a pretty damn good facilitator too. But, man, uh, they're going to have to score 130 points to win a lot of games. The Bulls, on the first night of free agency, were a clear winner. By today, they are clear losers. That DeMar DeRozan trade was an absolute disaster. It was, <laughs> they paid him $28 million a year. Not, not to your point, McMahon, DeMar's a good player. But when they signed him to that contract, no one had cap space. No yeah. one. So they paid him maybe market rate, probably more than market rate, and they had no competition for his services. Well, I was that, say, are you, are you bidding part. against the like the Clippers? Well, tax they had competition, but not competition that could pay him. Right. They, no, that, that's they, the thing. Like, they, uh, what's the what's they, the how how scary were they? The Clippers signing him for what twenty some odd percent of that price? And he wasn't going to sign with the Clippers for twenty percent of that price. He was never going to do that. So that that's the first part. They paid him too much money. Now we'll get to the trade. Thaddeus Young is a good NBA player. Mm-hmm. More importantly, he's a good NBA player who actually guards people. And fit on yeah, fit with that group. And, and was a perfect fit next to Nikola Vucevic, who struggles to guard people. And I like the, the initial idea when the DeMar DeRozan for uh, signing trade to Chicago first came up. The, the original thing that floated around, Brian, I think, was the first person to report it on the jump, but it had floated around for a couple of days, was some sign-and-trade deal involving DeMar and Lowry Marketing. In that context, I really like the move for the for the Bulls a lot because DeMar is a good fit for them. He basically is going to be their half-court point guard because Lonzo Ball, while really good, struggles in the half-court to create offense. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that with DeMar, and he's an excellent defensive player. So he's a good fit with Zach Levine, who, is just, who struggles at that end of the court. Like That all made sense. But now you take Thad Young off this team, who's a good player, and you trade a first-round pick when you're already out two first-round picks from the trade that McMahon immediately questioned back in March yeah. for Nick Vucevic. Now the Bulls cannot trade a first round pick until 2029, a pick they're not allowed to trade right now because they have traded three first round picks in the span of five months for Nick Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan, two sub all-star good players. Well, DeRo- all-star. I, I think I they both Vucevic, made the all-star team. I know Nick Vucevic Maybe. made the all-star team, but he's a sub all-star player. He's a very good player. He's not an all-star. <laughs> He's just not. He's a really good player, but he's not an all-star level player. He's not a top five center in the NBA. He's not. It, it, no one would. No, no one would argue with that. Yeah. So they've no. traded. They've now traded three first round picks for two guys that are in their 30s, don't play defense, and are not true all-star level players to try to entice Zach Levine to stay with the Bulls. When I I got asked in a five on five where I rank the Bulls in the East after these moves, top what? I said top 12. Mm, I, think I think there's a I think there's a real chance the Bulls could miss the play-in tournament, let alone miss the playoffs. Now mm, they have I mean they're I think they're a playoff team. Which yeah, they haven't yeah, been I, I, was gonna, I was gonna say top eight, but just think about it. Let's I'll go through it really quick. I think there's five teams who are clearly better than them. But again, this is assuming health. We have to assume that at the beginning. Brooklyn, in some order, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, Atlanta, and Philly. I think yes. those five teams are better than the Bulls. Without question. There's three teams that are definitely, I think, worse than the Bulls. Detroit, Cleveland, and Orlando. 
Then you've got the other seven teams in the East. You got Chicago, Boston, the Knicks, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Pacers, the Hornets. Um, and I'm blanking on the other team. Uh, the Hornets have had a decent offseason, too. The Hornets, there's, a, there's an eighth team. No, th- those are the seven teams. Never mind. Yeah. There's seven teams. Boston, Chicago, New York, Toronto, Washington, Charlotte, Indiana. You can make a case. To me, it's far easier to make a case the Bulls are worse than all of those teams than the Bulls are better than all those teams. I'll I'll put it this way. Even if you're highly optimistic about the Bulls, what what are the odds of of them winning a a playoff series over the next few years? Next Next to none. Very slim. And so you've put... There's a pretty firm ceiling on the Bulls, and you've given up a lot of assets. So... You know, it's interesting. I, I will, th- I, you know, obviously the DeRozan thing is interesting because I just don't think he had anything else in that neighborhood, you know, because 28 million a year. And, and to average. your point, and to your guys, to your point, McMahon, DeMar is a good player. It's not about getting DeMar, it's about the price in money and future assets right. for getting DeMar in that circumstance. It also, doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I've I've talked about why I, I don't understand why the Pelicans let Lonzo go, but they obviously had a reasons. They had their reasons why they did. They have more information on Lonzo than any other team, and they made that decision. I think a while ago. I think they decided. Oh yeah, a while it was ago. like they they were trying to get rid of him last year. So anyway, um, I think the interesting thing is Levine. To me, this is about Levine because Levine. Not only did he has he elevated as a player, I feel that he has acquitted himself very well with Team USA. He has looked very good at times. Um, I am impressed with him, and I think his trajectory will continue to go up. And I spoke to him. I did this story. I know it got lost in the news cycle a little bit because it happened the morning of free agency. Um, he was talking about how he's like I've. I've earned my respect, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. give me the, and, you know, the bulls had a choice to, to, to go and acquire players versus use cap space because he won't extend at this, at his current contract. He just, he's below market value if he extends now. So the only way to do it was to give him more money this year and raise him up. So and I realize that's a difficult, that's a difficult thing to do that, you know, normally you would say, well, I, I don't want to give guys on my roster who are under contract more money. So I can't bring in players. You want to improve your roster. I understand why they went that way, but just know that when they did that, that that was with Zach Lowe, with Zach Lowe, geez, with Zach Levine saying, I want my respect. And Zach Lowe also, has his respect. He does. He does. Not if you ask him, but you know, <laughs> um, uh, if, um, I'm just to say that, you know, people are always asking me like, uh, well, who's, who's recruiting who here in the bubble or whatever, like is, uh, does Draymond have, you know, who's Draymond going to get for the Warriors? <laughs> yeah. you, who you who know? Draymond have lunch with? <laughs> right. Um, and like, I'm not saying that anybody who's recruiting Zach Levine, but one thing that I will say is, is that Zach Levine being on this team, mm-hmm. I mean, I saw a stat uh, that I, I don't have, verified but i saw a stat that zach levine is on the first four game win streak since he was at ucla hmm. i know I this the timberwolves and bulls never had a four game win streak i mean is that possible that can't be possible right 
Got to get our got to get stats is, and info on that one. That, I'm too lazy to look it up. Stats and info confirmed that stat is accurate. Jesus, he's never he's never won so, four straight NBA games. I, I just want you to think about this. So this is the the world he's lived in. He's lived in a world where he's been on losing teams. He is. There was a time where he was kind of a losing player. He is not a losing player, anymore. dude. Last year he averaged twenty seven and five, uh, twenty seven plus points, four point nine assists. He was a 50, 40, 85 guy, basically. He was he was a great he was a great I mean, player geez. last year. He made he made I, huge steps forward as a player. I, I am really, really high. And I and I, I agree that sometimes he goes he goes space head on defense. I understand that. And you can come up with clips on that, but oh, um, guess what? Go down the list of 27 plus point per game scores and find me the one who doesn't. Okay. So I'm just saying that. Zach is now in a world here where he is playing alongside a bunch of NBA champions and uh, a bunch of real high level players. And um, I know that this, this, that this team USA is flawed mostly because they just haven't had time together, but this team is loaded with players. Okay. And Zach Levine is living in this world where he is now seeing what it's like to be surrounded by studs mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Draymond Green is recruiting him or whatever, but I'm saying that his eyes are being opened to a new world with Team USA. And I think he's going to go back to the Bulls after this experience and have a different mindset of what being around great players is. And I think that his horizon is going to be higher and he is not going to have an extension and he is going to head towards free, unrestricted free agency. And so um, I would just say that I'm not, a hundred percent certain that these bulls moves combined with what he's experienced this summer have guaranteed that he's going to be a bull long-term. Now that doesn't mean that when next summer comes and they whip out a five-year max offer, which he even, um, you know, he's not, he, he is super max eligible, right? Because he was traded on if, his he, if he if he makes if he makes all NBA he'll be super max eligible. Yes, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility he can make all NBA. No, no, no. So, but, but I just, but I'd say I'd say that. the Bulls I'd say the Bulls better hope I'm wrong. Because yeah. if if they're if they're if they're fighting for tenth and finish eleventh or twelfth next year, or yeah. lose in the first game of the playing tournament as a ten seed or something, that's I, not going to be great for their the, that's not going to be great for their odds of re-signing the guy one of the bulls options was to lock down Zach Levine this summer. They could have done it. He was based on what he said. I do think he was ready to extend. He said, I want, I like Chicago, but I want my respect. And they elected to go a different route. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that's wrong route, but that, but Zach Levine is not locked down. That's all. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talked about the rust fit given that, what do we think about the Lakers? free agency. I mean, I, I felt like their, their late stuff was, you know, I mean, it's, you've got the advantage of guys want to play with stars in LA and all that kind of stuff, but I thought they got some pretty good bang for the buck late. I actually, <laughs> their free agency, I think they did pretty well. I'm, I am yeah. I'm comfortable with the, with the signs that they've made. And also I know everybody's making fun of their, their age. I actually, they did sign three 20 year old guys. Um, I'll just go back to what I've said from the moment the trade happened. This is a team that won a championship with defense 
and they have flushed their defensive team and their defensive system. They flushed some of it when they traded out JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard for uh, Got Dwight back, and baby. Harrell. Got Dwight back, baby. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. And now they took like, three. their wing players. It took like their, you know, their, you know, KCP is a really good, he was mm-hmm. a contributor on the wing as a three and D player. And they flushed those guys. So they've completely gone away from the, from the, from the bones of the system that won them the championship. And that is me. The more thing is, um, you know, you're now going to be playing with a team that has, is going to have a lot of minus defenders on. Um, I know how Bontemps feels about it. Bontemps has just said the Wizards got better by trading Westbrook. So, I'll, oh yeah, I'll I can do this for no, no, but we've it, talked about the Westbrook. I'm oh just saying yeah, clearly I, what they did in free agency. Yeah, they did a good job. I mean, the, I mean, look, if you're going to have ten minimum guys on your team, right? Like they went out and signed some good minimum players. But which you you better the, do if you're the Lakers and you have LeBron right. and all these other guys. Like and, there's and a clear have, advantage. Sure, of course, but at the same time, and Miami like, also has to a certain degree. No, for sure. But look, and like, look, Wayne Ellington, solid minimum signing. Carmelo Anthony, like, okay, that might be an okay minimum signing at this point. But like, yeah. you're, you're talking about playing like Carmelo Anthony is like their seventh man. Like Carmelo is not going to be able to guard people at the highest level in the playoffs. That's going to be a problem. They need Trevor Ariza to still be a quality NBA defensive player. He looked overmatched in the Buck series in the first round for the Heat. Like they, and again, like they, they, did a good job. Kendrick Nunn was a good signing for the tax MLE. Like I like that move for them. It's a little bit of an awkward fit as far as shooting goes, but he's a good fit. But like, you know, they signed Malik Monk, the Charlotte Hornets weren't willing to give Malik Monk a qualifying offer. Like, boy, I, 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 I like Monk as a flyer and he's a guy who I think a lot of teams should have been interested in as a kind of a reclamation a, project. He's a fine, he's a fine flyer. But again, we're talking about a team that's trying to win a title Right. And like people are lauding the Malik Monk signing is like, this is a huge signing for the Lakers. Like that sort of just sums up where the Lakers are at. It's a good move to get him for the minimum. I'm not saying it's not, but like I, you know, it goes back to the original thing, like the Westbrook thing and these are intertwined because to your point, McMahon, they did a nice job at these signings, but they have to sign 10 of them because they wouldn't pay Alex Caruso who they could have paid and didn't get a huge deal. And they're likely not bringing back Dennis Schroeder because they've got a pretty hefty tax bill for the Lakers, even though other yeah. teams are paying a lot more and the Lakers print money. The Bulls um, will find a way to sign and trade him and give him 85 mil. <laughs> well, um, but they look, they uh, they but they did do a good job. Like they for for what they're working with on the minimum market, they they did a good job filling it out. But I just think it's just going to be hard if you're going through a season where you're you're trying yeah. to mix and match with these guys that are min- on minimum contracts for a reason. It, it's just going to be tricky and it still doesn't solve the fact that they don't have consistent shooting. And to Brian's point, this team has been built on defense and they do not look like they're going to guard anybody. It's good. They're putting a ton of pressure on Frank Vogel as the bulls are in Billy Donovan, because the bulls don't look like they're going to be able to guard a paper bag either. So <laughs> Vogel, those two coaches uh, have a ton of work to do to make those teams good enough defensively. Unless there's been an unannounced contract extension, which sometimes happens with coaches. It happens with executives all the time. Um, I think Frank Vogel's in the last year of his contract. That is correct. So um, that's Frank make this work or else <laughs> make it work, buddy. <laughs> um, so I don't, 
I don't think the Pelicans are done yet. Um, they still, I believe, they still have some cap space. I believe they still they have still Josh have, Hart sitting out there as a restricted free agent too. Right, and they still haven't actually done the Devonte Graham sign and trade, so there could possibly be, and they could expand that sign and trade. Um, uh, they still got a bunch of picks to throw around all willy nilly. There's been some rumbling about possibly. Uh, maybe they could do a deal with Toronto to acquire Goran Dragic, who uh, Griff has a long-term relationship with, and now coaching consultant, uh, you know, now associate with the organization Mike D'Antoni, who has a history mm-hmm. with Dragic. So, mm-hmm. um, who uh, is publicly saying over, uh, in, you know, in Slovenia, basically, hey, I'd love to play with Luke in Dallas. Right. Well, of course he would. Uh, the, the Mavericks don't really have a. Do they have a trade? I mean, I, I brought this up to Bontemps the other day. I asked about, you know, Canadian Dwight Powell, but I, I don't think. Well, the Raptors, while we've been doing the podcast, the Raptors, Cordage and Wojnarowski signed Canadian center Ken Birch. So I don't believe they'll be trading for another center. Yeah. And Dwight Powell is also uh, uniquely tight with Mark Cuban and other high ranking officials right? Okay. in the Mavericks organization. And look, I've been told that the Mavericks, like Goran Dragic, but don't want to pay him $19 million this year. Okay. So that's possible. I've, I've heard a couple of rumors out there about Josh Hart's, um, you know, Josh Hart could still stay, but uh, I've heard some rumors out there about where Josh Hart could go in a sign and trade. So they do have some, Mm -hmm. some irons in the fire. Um, But uh, you know, Valanciunas, I I think Valanciunas makes sense. I also, I think Valanciunas wants an extension. So that's, uh, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> uh so that's so you know um so that's the thing you know they get they traded for Stephen adams and gave him an extension last year and that ended up not working out <laughs> yeah uh, so i do i do like valanciunas for them um uh He's they also player. i mean so uh i think uh the athletic reported that um the hornets are looking at a possible sign and trade with lowry markinen um uh I do not think Lowry, I, I mentioned in a podcast earlier this week that I, you know, I could see Lowry coming back on the qualifying offer with the bulls. I have been told that that will absolutely not happen. Although in restricted free agency, um, when you get into restricted free agency stalemates, like, you know, is, is happening with marketing. Um, sometimes teams take positions that seem entrenched and then they come out of them. It's a, I, I was told when I was sniffing around something that the bulls are, are not, eager to trade him yeah um you know the story goes that the bulls the story that i was told was that the bulls basically decided they didn't want him in this in the spurs sign and trade but i would just say that if the spurs wanted lowry marketing enough they had uh salary cap space they could have just signed an offer sheet directly the spurs if the spurs wanted lowry marketing he'd be a spur I, think well, I do think they want him. I just don't know if they could agree on the terms of all. How well, I, I'm I, what I what I mean is if 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 it got to a point if the Spurs wanted him and could get a deal like he would have been in the deal if it would have worked. Like I don't yeah. I don't think it. I, so I anyway, it, I don't. Th- the Bulls would have rather traded him than that Young. I'm sure. Well, they probably would have traded him without having to trade a first round pick as well to get off yes. Aminu. Um, but New Orleans, I do think has some interest possibly in marketing. 
Um, so New Orleans isn't done, but I'm not uh, blown away, impressed by. As of now, the season. Pelicans. As of now, the Pelicans are losers. I mean, they turned Lonzo yeah. Ball in a they turned Lonzo Ball in a first into Thomas Adaransi, Garrett Temple, and Devontae Graham. They got worse. Like that's just not good enough. Now that could change. Maybe they yeah. they still have things to do, but mm-hmm. as of today, uh, I think they got worse. And as we all know, they have a year to prove Design Williamson that they're going to be a playoff team and some sort of factor in the West. And I think this week has caused them to take a step back in that pursuit. So that's bad. Yeah. Well, the other thing I'll say is uh, I do think that Buddy Heald is still available on the market because they were ready to mm-hmm. trade him to the Lakers. There's a possibility that Buddy Heald could be um, could be on the move this offseason. And I could actually see scenarios where Buddy Heald would make sense in New Orleans. So, Buddy Hill, Buddy Hill makes a lot of money, but he makes a sense a lot of places because he for, yeah. he has other faults, but he is a lockdown shooter yeah. know, or a knockdown so, shooter, I should say. And like with that, with every contract that looks really rich when it's signed every year, it looks a little bit more reasonable. And that one but descends. What, that one descends too, goes down every well, year. So as I've better. talked to as I've talked to executives, Bontemps pointed this out. This totally, I totally missed on. You're right. That does descend. That's important. Number one. Number two. <laughs> The league put out a salary cap projection for next year. The cap has been flat because of COVID. They put out a salary cap projection next year of 119 million, which would be a seven million dollar increase. It was supposed uh, it was to a, the initial projection was it would be 115, just for context. Yeah, and so look, we got stuff going on in this country in this world. I don't know where we're going to be with attendance when it all comes down to it. But I was talking to a couple of executives this week, and they were like, "People are looking at these contracts like the cap is going to stay flat. It's not." So Mm -hmm. um, before we go, I just want to real quick touch on Kawhi Leonard. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the situation uh, uh, that, um, that the Clippers are in with, with Kawhi. Um, another way to put it using poker terms, which I use a lot talking about the NBA, is they're pot committed. They've already got so much in the Kawhi pot that I think it's going to be hard for them to not continue to put into there. And so, I mean, it is absolutely brutal for them that Kawhi would opt out of his contract instead of extending, you know, that, that, that hurts their long-term planning um, that it costs them the nine and a half million dollar injury injured player exception, which they could have used this year to aid to this team to, 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 to do something with this season. I mean, they're not just going to shut down and not play this season. Um, you know, they don't have control of their pick, right? I mean, their, their, their pick is out of their control. The Thunder have it. So they've got to 
play. They've got to continue to try, and that in him opting out hurt them. And I understand that Kawhi has got to look out for Kawhi. It's been one trillion percent clear that that's what he's going to do. You knew that when you signed him. <laughs> there's a there's a trend there. But at some level, there's got to, there's got to be a partnership with the team. At some level, there has to be. Otherwise, you're never going to succeed. And um, so, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know what Steve Ballmer is really thinking. Uh, he's got to be like, I can't believe this guy opted out. And I can't believe that he's, you know, potentially talking to other people, you know, when, when we're, when we're going to pay him $40 million to rehab. And especially if he's only going to want to sign a one-year deal and put us, put our necks back on the line next year. I mean, I can just see how it's been very frustrating, but, but, but McMahon, I don't, the Clippers are so, like, I don't see how they pull the ripcord. I think they got to give him what he wants and just wait for him to get healthy because he's so freaking good that you just play the long game there. And no, Kawhi has all the leverage and he's clearly going to <laughs> use it. However, uh, you know, however he sees fit. Um, but no, what, like there's no options there. So, you know, he'll leave him twisting as long as he wants to leave him twisting. Well, there are options, Bontemps. They could, they could, they could investigate a sign and trade possibility, but they could. But I, there's I mean, no realistic options there. Okay, that's a fair statement. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this sort of reminds me of um, didn't didn't LeBron sign in like August after he won the title in 2016? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's exactly, it's obviously not a completely analogous situation, but it sort of feels like that where be, this isn't like 2019 to me, where like we spent a week waiting to see what was going to happen. Cause all these teams were waiting to see what was going to happen to Tim's point, McMahon's point. Everybody spent all their money. Miami was seen as maybe Kawhi will go to Miami. Maybe he'll go to New York. Well, all these teams spent all their money and did all this stuff. So, well, there is one team out there. Well, even I assume you're referring to Philadelphia. Yeah. Even even for Philadelphia, I mean, they can do it, but it'll be a little tricky for them now that they signed Danny Green. I mean, they'd have to really try to shift some money around to get that done because if they sign Kawhi, he makes a bunch more than Ben Simmons. So if you would do a Ben Simmons for a Kawhi trade, you'd have to try to include some other money in it. It would it'd be fairly complicated. So, I mean, because they'd be hard nobody's, caps and they'd be up and against hard caps. So. Right. Yeah. Nobody's signed their contracts yet, though. Well, no, yeah, I true. mean, look, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, maybe, I mean, you know, we're behind, maybe this is already played out behind the scenes and it's already over with. Yeah. It just, it it just feels like the, the way this is played out. The only thing we have to wonder about at this point is what kind of contract Kawhi is going to sign with the Clippers. Now, maybe I will end up looking very stupid and they'll do a sign and trade in the next 12 hours, but <laughs> you know, I, that's right. I, I went on a low post and we talked about oh, Oklahoma city never does buyouts. <laughs> the, the next day <laughs> no. was bought out in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, they don't usually. You weren't wrong. <laughs> no, it's the first time they've done it. But yeah, I just it just feels like that's sort of the way this is going, and sort of like we waited to find out what Kawhi's knee situation was going to be, and whether he was having surgery, and what the situation was, and it took what two months for that to come out. Feels like this is going to be uh, or six weeks to come out. This feels like it's just going to sort of inevitably be the same sort of timeline where Kawhi is going to do this on whatever timeline he wants to do it. All right. Well, I just. Yeah, the Clippers are probably pretty frustrated right now. 
happens. So I would imagine um, Reggie right. Jackson is probably a little frustrated right now because it feels like that well, situation is maybe tied to Kawhi's situation being unresolved in some form. Right. Well, both Reggie Jackson and um, and Dennis Schroeder are sort of point guards with where the, the music has kind of stopped here and they don't have chairs. Um, well, the only difference is that the only difference is that it's always sort of felt like Reggie Jackson was going back to the Clippers like Nick Batum right. did. And, so, and, and it's sort of, to me, at least, it seems like it's just what is the deal going to be? He's very tight with Paul George. They're still going to try to be competitive next year. They have early bird rights. You would think they're going to get something done. Dennis Schroeder yeah. does not seem like he's going back to the Lakers under any circumstances. No, so no. we'll see what his situation turns out to be. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Schroeder is, there's no real cap space out there. So Dennis Schroeder is now looking for an exception. Is there any cap space yeah. in China? <laughs> you know what? There's actually not because right now the Chinese are not signing foreign players. Hmm. So the answer to that is no. Could um, go back to Europe, maybe. I mean, he's going to be in the NBA. I know <laughs> just, he is. I'm know. making a. I'm making a joke. <laughs> you know, he needs, he, a Nic- just... he needs a Nikola Mirotic Barcelona deal to come in as a hail mary. The Barcelona <laughs> can't sign Lionel Messi, so they're not going to be signing Dennis Schroeder. I don't think. <laughs> well, maybe you could think they got more money to spend now. That's but, true. Um... That's true. They're clearing money to sign Dennis Schroeder to pair him with Nikola Mirotic, <laughs> the new dream team in Barcelona. You heard it here first. All right. All right. All Thank right. you. This for... podcast has gotten messy. Let's end it. Thank you for listening. Oh. <laughs> Thank you to the Hoop Collective. Thank you to Bon Temps. Thank you to McMahon, who's still on vacation, coming Ish. on. Thank you to Jackson, to our producer. Have a great weekend, everybody. Next time we talk, hopefully I'll be in the United States. Or adios I'll be in like hard quarantine in, Wait. in Tokyo. Instead, adios, amigos. How do you say uh, goodbye in Japanese? Sayonara. Oh, sayonara. Duh. I'm trilingual. <laughs> Adios amigos and sayonara. But how do you say friends? Nah, we'll figure that out later. See you boys.